from the Tulsa world. This is the OSU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here are your hosts, Dean Rule and Jawan Lee. Season 3, episode 27 of the OSU Sports Extra Podcast, and another Victory Tuesday, a special Victory Tuesday, because OSU, final Big 12 Bedlam, came away with a big win over Oklahoma. Dean, how was it being a part of that experience and just how everything was Saturday? You know, Juwan, I've been covering OSU for, I guess, I, we'll call it three and a half seasons, right? Um, and, and OSU's been a part of a couple field stormings, um, some their own and some opposing teams. This was the first ever one I, I was at, you know, covered, <laughs> got, got to write about. Um, so that, that that was a pretty interesting experience, um, but yeah, for for sure, I think uh, top to bottom, the the energy, the electricity um, from both fan bases was there on Saturday. I think it, I think it was a super unique environment and a, a super cool game to have gotten to cover it and you know say I I was at for the next couple decades. Dean, they took the they took the goalpost down. They they snatched it down. Our own like Daniel Schuler. If you, if you guys haven't seen it, Daniel Schuler has a video of them like tearing the goalpost down. What was what was that like? See, so so at that point in the celebration, I would have been um, in the stadium doing doing post game uh, press conferences. But uh, no, the super. You know, I think if you're gonna storm a field, you gotta go all out. You gotta. <laughs> um, I'm sure after a win like that, that's a check that OSU does not mind writing. Um, but Bill Haston brought up some uh, a good point about it yesterday in, in his his column. You know, it is it's pretty interesting that that OSU the the athletic department let that goalpost get out of the stadium you know i think (laughs) you know it's one thing to take it down but then to take it out and throw it in a pond um um, like bill wrote that that is probably meant to be memorialized somewhere on the campus or (laughs) cut up into pieces and sold uh as a piece of history but no, it, it was a crazy environment, Juan. I, I almost got ran over. Uh, that just comes with the territory um, <laughs> of trying to make my way across a field that's getting actively rushed. But super cool experience um, and a great game with, with some great energy around it. Right, so a lot of stuff for us to hit today, but Oklahoma State gets a 27-24 to win over Oklahoma Um and what many is perceiving as the final Big 12 Bedlam. I mean, it's pretty much factual now, but just kind of walk me through some of your thoughts of the game. And, I mean, for this to be Oklahoma State's fifth consecutive win, big picture for me, what does that mean for them moving forward? Yeah, so I think short-term, um, what this does for OSU's resume is really beneficial because, like you said, five-game win streak, Juwan, three of those games – um, th- three of those wins came against ranked opponents, and OU w- was the highest ranked by far. So th- th- that's a signature win um, on OSU's resume that I don't think they desperately, like, uh, 
they're out of the conversation for the college football playoff, obviously. But a top 10 win like that um, in, in what would uh, I think a lot of people would categorize as a super emotional game. Um, that That's great for OSU's resume in, in terms of, I mean, I, I think the New Year's Six Bowl is still on the docket, Juwan, which is insane to say. Uh, so, so in the short term, uh, when, when you look at what was left on the schedule, this was really OSU's last chance to get a signature win this season. Um, if if they win out, they, they they you know make the Big Twelve Conference Championship game. There's another opportunity, but uh, that's not guaranteed like uh, the OU game was. And, and so for them to add that uh, to 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 their list of wins. You got three pretty winnable games, I think. I I, I wouldn't overlook UCF just yet, Juwan, but uh, you got three games you're going to be favored in, two on the road, one at home. Um, if you're Oshun, you can you win out, you get another opportunity for one. So, so I think in the short term, that's what this game does for OSU. And then in the long term, you mentioned it. This is the last Bedlam for a while. I, I don't... You know, it's hard to put it. It's not going to be the last one ever, I think, Juwan, but right. it's, it's hard to really pin down when this could possibly resume again. And um, I think for anybody who spends just a little bit of time on Twitter or social media, you, you've already seen the extended bragging rights get thrown out a lot. <laughs> and, and, uh, it, it's definitely become a uh, discussion point, to say the least, among uh, these two fan bases. We got a couple of people that I want to talk about on the offensive end, but starting with someone that, I mean, we've discussed at length the past couple of weeks, and that's Ollie Gordon. 33 carries, 137 yards, two touchdowns, and he left this game with a lot of people kind of boosting up his Heisman odds. What do you feel like this game did for him in particular as far as that race? And just talk about his performance overall Saturday. You know, I think it's interesting – to see how far Ali Gordon has come because you look at his stat line, Juwan, and it's 137 rushing yards, two touchdowns on 33 carries. Uh, so I, I forget what that average exactly were, but it's a little over four, I think maybe mm-hmm. four and a half. So I'm not a math major, but it's somewhere in that <laughs> range. Um, point being, you take that performance and you can almost categorize it as, eh, you know, not a not, not a typical Ollie Gordon performance, but uh, you know it's still good, but not great. And it's 137 yards and two touch. Like we're at this point in in the Ollie Gordon discourse where what he did Saturday, <laughs> people are kind of like, "Oh, that's it." Um, so, so right. I think that that if anything talks to what kind of a level he's at and, and where people expect him to be. Um, and so I I examined I examined that a little bit. Um, in the in the follow story, um, which would have been we ran Monday. Um, what is Ali? You know, I wanted to look at what is Ali Gordon's Heisman case. What does he actually bring? Right, right. Um, and you know, Juwan, I, I think the the Heisman has very much become a quarterback award. People mm-hmm. knock it a lot for that, um, but it, it's just the way it is right now. And uh, the last guy to have won it was Derrick Henry at Alabama. 
Um, and, and so I compared the numbers between Ollie Gordon and, and Derrick Henry and a couple other running backs in the past. I think it was 13 years. I think I went back to 2010 uh, of other running back finalists. And how does Ollie Gordon kind of stack up? And, and I think it's safe to say he's in the same realm as as uh, those other guys. I think it was it was Derrick Henry, Melvin Gordon, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Michael James, and somebody else, Jawan. Trent Richardson. That's who it was. So those are the those are the five who have finished in the top three of Heisman voting in the past 13 years. And where Ollie Gordon stacks up with that. Um and, and it, it's close. I think what's gonna hurt Ollie Gordon down this final stretch is OSU's not playing any great opponents, right? You know, UCF, Houston, and BYU. The the those aren't you know going to be excited. Like he's not going to have the Heisman moment in any of those three games. I don't think if OSU and Texas win out and they meet in the Big Twelve championship game, there's his opportunity a little bit. Um, I think that's what's going to hurt his case the most. If if you're a betting man, you you've probably seen his name start to show up in in the Heisman odds. I think as of Sunday. DraftKings had him as as a as seventh best odds to win it. Um, so no matter how you you cut it, Juwan, like he's definitely in the discussion, but winning it, the the deck is stacked against him because of his position. Um, I think because of the who, who OSU plays, and, and you can't fault them too much. Like OSU does not create the schedule, um, right? You have to play it. But point being. You know, you're going to get some of these other guys like uh, Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix and uh, a lot of the other favorites who are quarterbacks. Um, they're going to have a tougher schedule down the final stretch. Um, and they, they're going to have that opportunity to kind of solidify themselves. Um, you know, if Ali Gordon rushes for 300 yards in the next three games, well, then you really, you can't dismiss him. <laughs> right. You know, like, like, he'll be able to have um a chance but it, it's going to be a bit of an uphill climb for him when it comes to actually winning the thing i think he for sure has cemented himself in the discussion um but realistically it's going to take a lot so dean as we sit here right now we're talking about ollie gordon's heisman candidacy in the post game pod you talked about is mike gundy possibly the big 12 coach of the year and the way Alan Bowman is playing, he looks as if he should have always been the solidified starter. If you kind of rewind a bit and they make these concrete decisions on Alan Bowman and Ollie Gordon and some of the other pieces, do you feel like this season plays out any differently? Uh, I, I think you probably have to say it does. Um, you know, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword w- when you reflect back because you could say, well – had they started Bowman the whole time and started Ollie the whole time, uh, you know, they would have won, they would have beat South Alabama and they would have beat Iowa State. Uh, so they, so, you know, so hypothetically, well, they'd be nine and oh right now. But more teams would know, you, you know, K State and Kansas and um, West Virginia, and, you know, they would have known, okay, well, here's the offensive game. Like, I think it benefited right. OSU in, in the stretch they're having right now in that teams didn't necessarily know the entire offensive identity and the game plan, what they were going to do. 
Um, whereas had that started earlier, yeah, they probably would have not, you know, been embarrassed by South Alabama. But who's to say one of these teams that they beat recently wouldn't have been able to figure out how to stop it. And I think that's something, you know, Mike Gundy talked about that a little bit on Monday, just about teams going forward, know what we're trying to do on offense now. Um, and, and so we need to continue to just to, to be getting better and developing in, in those areas because teams know it's coming now. You know, kind of touching on that point a little bit more when you say that teams know what this offense is going to do. I just kind of wanted to look it up because, you know, Rashad Owens was their leading receiver this past game. But each of their five games on this winning streak, they have had a different leading receiver. Um, so just kind of touch on what did you see from Rashad Owens specifically? And also, is there going to be some type of consistency where we start to see one guy stand out? Even though, I mean, we're super late in the season, obviously. Yeah, I think Rashad Owens is, I think Mike Gundy said you could put him in if there was a, uh, whatever the comeback player of the year award is, uh, Ali Gordon, or not Ali Gordon, Rashad Owens has a case for that because he's kind of, He's he's been up and down throughout his OSU career, and, and this has been by far his best season. Um, and and you saw why, you know, you saw what he's capable of doing against o, OU. Um, you know, when you're throwing a guy the ball 17 times, that's pretty <laughs> uncommon. Uh, so so there was ample opportunity for for Rashad Owens to do what he did, and um, you know, if you want to talk about how that happened, it was. You know, OU loaded the box to shut down Ollie Gordon, and you get a lot of man coverage in the secondary. And and Rashad Owens has that kind of, you know, they tried Rashad Owens out at what they called a cowboy back, but it was pretty much a tight end um, because of his frame, because of his body. You know, he, he's got the height, but he's also got the the kind of width to him. Um, so point being, he, he's got the big body. He was able to use that to his advantage. That's why you see what he was able to do against OU. As for the distribution, um, the, there's been the injuries at wide receiver, Jaden Bray, Talon Chitron, they're dealing with with injuries, and Mike, I didn't want to get into their status moving forward uh, on Monday. But I, th- I think the distribution is has a lot to do with Alan Bowman and how he's able to run an offense. Um, the offensive line is given, giving Alan Bowman the pass protection to be able to do what he needs to do. Um, you know, he, he's able to connect with a guy like Leon Johnson, Rashad Owens, Brennan Presley's always the Brennan Presley's impact. I think it's taken, uh, for granted a lot of times because he's been so consistent over the past four years, Juwan. But, um, you know, when, when you really break it down, yeah, Brennan Presley is, is, just as vital to might be is probably the most vital piece in this passing game because of his versatility. Um, he was right behind. Just, he was right behind Rashad Owens with eight catches, ninety-seven yards. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's not going to fill. Brandon Presley's not going to pad the stat sheet like you would with, uh, you know, down downhill guy like Rashad Owens or Leon John. You know, deep ball threats like that. But Brandon Presley, he's in the short passing game. Um, they can hand it off to him like that. Versatility is so important to to keeping the offensive possessions moving, and so I think why you see the distribution so much, uh, and you have 
like you said, a different uh, leading receiver in, in each of the five games is in part because Alan Bowman is got that veteran presence and that knowledge and that experience. Uh, the injuries play a part in OSU needing to rely on different guys each week. And then also the versatility that they have and they use those guys, depending on what they need in that specific game, they'll, they'll go to that player. Moving over to the defensive end, I think the game kind of ended perfectly with how you've talked about this defense in previous weeks. And that's teams may be able to move the ball against them, but when they need to make a stop, they make a stop. And the final significant play for, for OU's offense came with Drake Stoops falling a couple couple yards short of the first down marker. Um, even though you look at the stat sheet, I mean, Dylan Gabriel, 344 yards. They rushed for 148 with one guy counting for 111. And, I mean, Stoops had a career day with 12 receptions for 134. But given how the game ended, how do you think this defense fared Saturday? Yeah, I think, I mean, OU's offense, I think, had more total yards than OSU's offense. Um, it's, I was thinking about it a little bit um, Saturday night, and, and I probably should have went a little more in depth before I started talking about it. But I think in the past five games, well, not Cincinnati because that was a blowout. The From K-State, KU, West Virginia, and OU. I'm pretty sure OSU's defense has made a huge stop late in the game to eventually seal the win each time. Um, so you're talking about the Drake Stoops against OU, against West Virginia. Kendall Daniels made a tackle on fourth, a tackle for loss on fourth down on a quarterback. Uh, West Virginia's quarterback scrambled out to the sideline and Kendall Daniels kind of bracketed him in uh, against KU. Nick Martin tackles Jason Bean along the sideline on the last play, and then against KSU, there was the interception. So point being, um, I hate the term bend, don't break defense, Jawan. I need to come up with something better than than that. <laughs> but that is what they kind of uh, they, they kind of are. You know, they, they're going to let up the big plays. I think we talked about it last week. Like, this is just kind of what they are. Um, the big plays are going to happen. But they figure it out. I mean, I think I think it's a, a testament to what Brian Nardo does at halftime and how he's able to adjust. He, he's kind of proven, I think, in a lot of ways to that they, they open a game doing what they're doing. Whatever's not working, whatever's allowing those big plays, he's able to identify the problem figure out what the best adjustment is, and execute it. Um, and that's why I think you see a, a much more polished product in in the second half uh, that, that results in those fourth down stops. I mean, John, I think they are second in the nation in fourth down stops right now, um, th this OSU defense is. And, and so I think it's all just a testament to they're able to figure it out they're able to implement it, execute it, and and that's why you see these these crucial plays that they're able to make um, eventually kind of lead to wins. So the next thing I want to ask you, because I remember after the first four weeks of the season, I mean, if you looked at Twitter, and we know we we already established that there's a lot of overreactions on on Twitter, but people was 
bringing up Mike Gundy's contract. What was the expectations for this team moving forward? I mean, you were sitting at two and two. Now that you've kind of well, now that you kind of gotten off to this win streak and you're looking forward towards a Big Twelve championship, what is the letter grade that you would give Mike Gundy right now? I think before the season, Juwan. I think I don't know if I forget if we said it on the podcast or if I wrote it. But I think my, I predicted seven wins for OSU. And I said anything more, uh, you really need to give Mike Gundy his flowers for the the co- like. If they win more than seven, it it's it has a lot more to do with the coaching staff than, than the players, and they they've got obviously you've got a Heisman contender. I'm not saying there's no talent on this team, but with what they had to do in the transfer portal, what they went through this off season. It was going to very much be a, a, you know, managing this team, setting it up to win, and, and you had to, had to get a little creative with it. Um, and so far, OSU's done that, right? And, I mean, Juwan, we're talking about possibly a 10-win season this year after starting right. two and three. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, I won't go up to A-plus because I think the worst <laughs> – coaching performance of Mike Gundy's career happened this year, but I'll go a, um, I'll just, just to clean, give him the a, um, cause he's done a, a remarkable job with not only turning this around, but also I think just proving that it, I, I think this says a lot more about OSU's kind of, I don't want to say innovation, but ability to adapt and, and and that obviously starts with the head coach. With you giving him an A, Dean, and as you said, if they won more than seven games, I mean, it would be a spectacular job by, by the coaching staff. But now that I feel like the bar has been raised for, for a lot of OSU fans on what they want this season to, to end with, um, can that letter grade drop depending on what they do the rest of the way of this season? I mean, I think outside of losing the next three it it probably can't, um, you know. Even if you, you know, even if they lose one, they go they nine and three. They'd finish the season. They might that might the loss might kick them out of the conference championship game, but they still go to a decent bowl game. You'd still have the opportunity. Yeah, I, I mean, outside of a a collapse, you lose the next three. Um, I, I think that's going to be the grade for the, for the rest of the season. Win a, if they win a conference championship and go to a great bowl game and win that, then you probably bump it up to an A+. Um, but it, it it's pretty remarkable what, what they've done in, you know, when was Iowa State? Seven weeks ago? So in seven weeks, I think it's a pretty remarkable turnaround. I think one of the interesting things that you wrote about was kind of Mike Gundy helping Ollie Gordon navigate through the national spotlight. Just kind of touch on what you wrote a little bit um, for maybe some people who hadn't re- read that yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's one of the most interesting things Mike Gundy said yesterday was Ollie Gordon's obviously become a a national you know commodity. People want to talk about him and and you know praise him for what he's doing. Um, and Mike Gundy's been around two players who went through that uh, when Mike Gundy played at OSU in Thurman Thomas and, and Barry Sanders. Um, 
And so I think Mike Gundy learned a lot from those experiences and, and he's applying that to the situation. But as Mike Gundy admitted, it's, it's a challenge because, um, you know, social media was not around four decades ago when he was <laughs> doing this game with Barry Sanders and, and Thurman, um, you know, I mean, Juwan, if it were me or you, right. And, and we were getting all, we would probably look up our name on Twitter just to see what, yeah. oh, <laughs> what did ESPN posted about me. Right. Had a, you know, it's, it's hard. It's just human instinct, right? You want to, you know, re- receive some praise. And, and so managing that and, and, um, you know, helping Ali Gordon along with that is is a challenge, as he said, but it, it's necessary, I think, right now. All right, Dean, any final things you want to add before we get out of here? I don't think so, Juwan. I think we'll leave it there and uh, hit it again on Thursday. All right, well, Thursday we'll be back to get into a full breakdown of UCF. Um, OSU with three games left on the regular season slate, UCF, Houston, um, BYU, and next week we'll get into some of the more winter. We'll get into some additional winter sports. So we appreciate you guys joining us for another week of the OSU Sports Extra podcast. Remember to download our podcast. It's free wherever you may get those, Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcast, or Google. We appreciate you guys all the time. And make sure you like, share, and comment the podcast on what you may want us to talk about a little bit more as we wind down the football season. But for Juwan Lee and Dean Rule, we'll see you guys next time.